0: Good morning again. My name is Dan Song. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We do have Bibles provided for you underneath the chair in front of you, and there you could turn to page 573. 573 of the church Bibles, or you could also follow along on the screen. We're just looking at two short verses uh, over this entire Advent season for the next four weeks, Uh, I talked briefly about names and being a song, Uh, but your name means something, right? I remember when we named Stephen after the martyr in the the book of Acts, and as he got older, when he was younger, he was like, why did you call me Stephen after someone who got killed, right? We take on sort of the identity of those that we were named for, the meaning behind it. Well, over the next four weeks, today and the next three weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve service, we're going to look at these four names that were attributed to this coming Messiah ultimately in Jesus. and today's is wonderful counselor and you might be familiar with this, whether you grew up in the church or not through Handel's Messiah, which beautifully plays this this uh, these verses and so let's Read this together, so give, give attention to God's word as we read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks for in this season of waiting, Lord, we ultimately are now waiting for your second coming in the midst of the darkness in the midst of the hardship and the sufferings of life lord we wait eagerly as the people of god did in the old testament so we ask that you would also stir our hearts that in the midst of waiting albeit so hard and difficult lord help us to wait with courage and with strength and with patience we pray all of these things in jesus name amen Every year during Advent I love to read a few different books and devotionals and one of them is this book called Advent Begins in the Dark and it's written uh, by Fleming Rutledge and it's not a a book that she kind of writes but it's all of her different homilies that she had written or she had given for the Advent season and one of the things that she does in her first homily in her devotional is she talks about how There's these questions, Advent questions, that we all ask. Let me read just a portion of that for you this morning. Quote, A few months ago, a funeral was held in Belgium for one of our little girls who was slowly and systematically starved to death in a dungeon by a man so perverted that he was disowned by his own mother. At the funeral, the priest's hand trembled violently as he recalled the passionate prayers said for the children all over Belgium. In a voice of intense anger, he said, Is the good Lord death? That is an Advent question. Perhaps the Advent question. Last Sunday in Bible class, the questions were asked, If God has truly come in Jesus Christ, why do things remain as they are? Why do so many terrible things happen? Where is God? These are the Advent questions. Unquote. We feel this too, don't we, in our cultural moment, in our, in our time in history. Whether it's family and friends who have deeply, deeply been impacted by the loneliness of the holidays. The global conflicts that are happening all over our world, whether it's in the Gaza Strip between Israel and Palestine, in the Ukraine, the global conflicts that are happening in Myanmar and all over the world. And then you zoom in to our own congregation where we have parents and we have family members who are fighting against cancer right now. We have those who have experienced job loss in this holiday season. And I'm sure there are many of us here that are experiencing depression and sadness as the days get shorter and the night gets longer. Where is God? Is God deaf? These are the Advent questions that we are forced to ask and reckon with. And I share this because this is where we find Isaiah. This is exactly where we find ourselves in Isaiah. He says, actually, just before this in chapter 8, this is what Isaiah literally says. He says, and they will look, or God is hiding his face from his people. Do you ever feel like that? Especially in this season where we're supposed to be happy and joyous, and there's supposed to be so many parties and festivals and festivities. Do you feel like God is hiding his face from you? And in this book, in chapter 8, right before we enter into chapter 9, it's all gloom and despair and anguish. Let me just read you the last verses of chapter 22, or chapter 8, in verse 22. And they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. But everything changes starting in chapter 9. In chapter 9, from chapter 22 to verse 1, this prophecy that was given 700 years before Jesus is born, bursts forth with hope. From that thick darkness, all of a sudden you begin to see dawn. You begin to see the rising of the sun. And it's all littered from verse 1 up, to, up through verse 6 in what we read. In verse 2, from darkness there will be a great light. Verse 3, there is joy and rejoicing and there will be gladness. In verse 4, yoke, staff, the rod. These three pictures of oppression and injustice are now broken and there is freedom. And verse 5, war, battles will be no more and there will be true shalom. How is this going to happen when there's so much thick darkness and anguish and gloom and darkness? How is there this light that bursts forth and the dawn that begins to rise? Well, it's through a child that we just read about. This Messiah. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Ray Ortland, a pastor, said it this way about this child. God's answer to everything that has terrorized us is in a child. And that's what Isaiah prophesies. In the midst of the darkness and gloom, there's a light, there's freedom, there's joy, there's gladness, there's hope through a child. A child. And we are given four names for him and this is very very customary for kings when kings would come in this time you would attribute different names to the king that would take his reign in place and here we see the exact same thing happen for this king this messiah these four names wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace you might call them royal names And that's what we're going to look at in these four weeks. These royal names and the significance of those names for us in this Advent season. as we look forward to Christmas, in the midst of the darkness, why can we have hope? Well, let's look at this first word this morning, wonderful counselor. Literally, it is translated wonder of a counselor. That's the meaning here, wonder of a counselor. And let's break each of these apart, Wonder. It's more than just a nice warm feeling. And I know we we throw this word around a lot and you hear it all the time on the radio and in movies, right? Like it's a wonderful life. It's Pastor John's favorite, favorite movie and the, the Egan family can testify to that. He always wants to play it every single season. It's a wonderful life or the song that we always hear on the radio, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. Uh, Some of you will sing that this upcoming Friday. But we like to throw that word around because it gives us the warm fuzzies. And of course it is wonderful, but when the Bible used it, it was so much more powerful. This word wonder wasn't just a feeling and and gave you warm fuzzies, but it meant literally supernatural supernatural. The 80 times wonder is used in the Bible, it described God and his mighty supernatural works. That's what we're talking about when we use this word wonder. And then when you come to counselor, what it meant is it meant to give instruction, wisdom, guidance as a person of authority. So it doesn't just mean when you think about wonderful counselor, what we might think of as your therapist or your counselor that you go see every week or every other week or every month, it was so much more powerful here. It wasn't just a cabinet member to the president. It wasn't just an aide to a king. Rather, when we put these two words together, wonderful counselor, what it meant was that this child was exalted as the source of all wisdom. He wasn't just the best of the counselors or aides or cabinet members. He was the ultimate source of wisdom. It began with him and it ends with this child who is the wonderful counselor. It is beyond merely human capabilities. It's a wisdom like God's own wisdom and it's found in this child and he's the one that's going to bring light into darkness. Hope from despair and joy from anguish. So how do we see it fulfilled in the New Testament? Well, a lot of times when you think of counseling, right? It's the words that someone gives you to be able to to guide you in life. My wife and I are seeing a counselor right now um, for parenting. We think that this will be a great investment so that when the kids become adults, they maybe hopefully won't need counseling like I did, right? And so we're seeing a counselor, but we're taking her words, and we're trying to apply it in our lives, but the fulfillment of this wonderful counselor isn't just in mere words. This wonderful counselor becomes a person. It comes in the form of a person. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He becomes a fulfillment of this title. He is, as Isaiah says, a child who was born. He is a real person, a real human being, and yet more, right? He was supernaturally born into this world and conceived by the Virgin Mary. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. When he merely spoke a word, the storms calmed down. With his mere words, he healed the sick and he gave sight to the blind and the dead were raised. He is wonderful, not just in the sense of this attraction or special or being inspiring. He's wonderful not simply because he evokes a sense of wonder, but he himself is the great wonder. He is exalted. He's sovereign. He's supernatural. He is this baby born, this child given, and he's born to us in the midst of the darkness of our world. And you see that as the gospel begins to unfold in Luke 2, the child grew and became strong, and he began to be filled with what? wisdom in Matthew 13 when he comes back home to where he was born and coming to his hometown he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and guess what they said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works as we go into the letters by Paul Colossians 2 describes Christ this way in which in whom all wisdom is All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And Paul talks about what wisdom looks like, and he says, So you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The wonderful counselor is in Christ, and then in Revelation What do the people do? They fall on their faces and before the throne and they worship God saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Jesus becomes the ultimate fulfillment of this wonderful wisdom counselor. Charles Spurgeon in his sermon on this verse or on these words said this about the fulfillment of Jesus. He says, it was by a counselor that this world was ruined. He's taking us back to Genesis 3. Did not Satan mask himself in the serpent and counsel the woman with exceeding craftiness that she should take unto herself of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the hope that thereby she would be as God? Was it not that evil counsel which provoked our mother to rebel against our, her maker, And did it not, as the effect of sin, bring death into this world with all its train of woe? Ah, beloved, it would be that the world should have a counselor to restore it if it had a counselor to destroy it. Wonderful was that Christ who came forward to attempt the work and who in the plentitude of his wisdom has certainly accomplished it to his own honor and glory and to our comfort and to our safety. You see, Jesus becomes the fulfillment of everything that was wrong and broken. And he offers us life and restoration, hope, peace, and light. He is our wonderful counselor. So what does that mean for us in this season of Advent? Two brief things for us and why this matters. It matters so much for us. First, counsel. Where do we find counsel? this wonderful counsel for us, it's in the Word of God. Yes, the Word of God became flesh and He has given us Himself through the Word of God. And listen, we go, including myself, we go to so many places for counsel, don't we? It could be books, it could be podcasts, it could be YouTube channels. Yes, I'm looking at you teenagers and millennials, right? Right? It could be music and the artists that we listen to. It could be political pundits. We go to so many places, and and even we go to great theological books written by great Christian authors. But what we have to see here is that there is an importance, if this is true, that we need to begin to see everything first through the Word of God that counsels us, that gives us the joy, from our anguish that gives us light in the midst of the darkness so that as we are filled and overwhelmed with the counsel of God in His Word, then that Word gives us the ability to be able to see through that lens of everything else we gravitate towards. All the information we listen to is now seen through the lens of the counsel of God in His Word. Do we do that? When I was a college uh, college director at Washu one of these students who was not a christian that i would meet with regularly always said not always but he would say this he would say you guys truly don't believe the word of god is the word of god like you believe that that's god speaking to you and i would always say yes yes this is the word of god and he says i just don't buy it because when i see all you christians if if this was God's literal word to you, wouldn't you be memorizing it? Wouldn't you be reading it? Wouldn't you be studying it and meditating on it day and night? And that was humbling, right? Do we believe this is the word of God and good for us that counsels us and gives us all that we need? Do we believe that? This is the counsel for everything that we need. But secondly, candor, candor, honesty. You see, when I go see my counselor, I have to be honest, right? Counseling does not work if you're not honest with your counselor about your brokenness or the needs that you have. If I refrain and hold back the things that i need to share i will never get the restoration and the healing that i require because i'm holding things back and i think we do that with the lord now it's hard there's shame there's hiding that happens but for true for the counselor the wonderful counselor to actually restore us and heal us we need to be honest We need to be honest about our brokenness. We need to be honest about who we are and come to him recognizing our inadequacies and our weaknesses. And when we do that, that is when not only does he meet you in the things that you desire repair from, but he actually restores you with the greatest need, which is forgiveness from your sin and life forevermore. And that's what he's come to do. We can be honest because even when the worst is known, what? Love is still offered to you. He knows us inside and out. And whether you break a light bulb or you do something great, his love for you is still the same. He delights in you. He loves you. There's nothing that can ever, ever change that. I know that's so hard to believe, but that's the confidence we have to be able to come to him with honest, honest thoughts and conversations. We can be honest with him because he offers us his perfect love. Jesus is our wonderful counselor. He forgives us. He renews us. He heals us. He doesn't just come to give us great advice, right? He's not just a therapist to give you a nicer life, but he wants to give you full and complete shalom in your life. Even when the circumstances don't change, he offers you himself for us. That's what he did on the cross. He took on, through His perfect wisdom and counsel, He took on all of our sin, all of our mess, all of our shame, and all of the things that we condemn ourselves with, all our hatred for ourselves. He took that on, and guess what He gave us? He gave us His perfect righteousness, His perfect obedience, so that when the Father looks on you this morning, He delights in you. This is the ultimate wisdom of our Savior. And that's why we can celebrate and we can rejoice even in the midst of the darkness. We can see the light and the dawn break. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are our wonderful counselor. And I pray that as we have come to your word, Lord, may it transform us, may it heal us, and may we believe that this is the true word of God that you have spoken to us So help us to do that even as we come to the table, this beautiful picture that reminds us of what you have done for us. Lord, may it renew our hearts. May we see your love for us. And may we take, eat, and drink now so Lord, we might be strengthened in our hearts to be able to go in the midst of wherever you have called us to, whether it's dark, uh, whether it's hard and difficult and challenging, Lord, I pray that you would give us all that we need to be able to bring the beautiful wisdom that you've given to us and be that light for others. Do that good work we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.